So good. So good. <laughs> oh, he's good. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, our youth can be dismissed, and uh, they're going to go to their youth meeting, and uh, we're going to continue in this wonderful atmosphere. I think we're going to pray tonight some, which will be awesome. Um, we're going to get into the Word just a little bit first, though. So why don't you greet and welcome somebody around you? Tell them you're glad they're here. Let them know that He is able. <laughs> Amen. God is so good. <laughs> He's awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Well, I should have done this just a minute ago. But while we're all kind of right here in this atmosphere, let's pray over this prayer cloth. Maybe you can stand up again and stretch your hands this way. And uh, let's pray over this. It's for somebody who's having some issues with their kidneys. But we know that God is able. Amen? Amen. He is able. So, Father, we just thank you for the anointing. And as we pray over this prayer cloth, Father, we thank you. We extend our hands in faith. And we have precedent in the Word of God that when cloths were prayed over, that they carried the anointing to those who needed it. And so, Father, we thank you that this cloth does exactly that, that the anointing goes into it. And, Father, as we unite our faith, we know, Father, that you're able to do this miracle in this body. And Father, we ask you for it. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you that it's going forth into this body and it's creating a change in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Well, we're going to receive our evening tithes and offerings. And uh, this is the scripture that Alan gave today. It's Psalm 35, 27. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad <laughs> who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You know, God desires for all of our needs to be met. And because of that, he has instituted a system of sowing and reaping. And we can just see it. You know, when we sow seed in the soil, we can reap a harvest. And there's so much that comes from that. And it's the same with our financial seed. When we sow, we reap. And so we just thank God that he has set that into motion for us so that we can be blessed and prospered. God wants that for us, and this is our opportunity to sow. And so if you are sowing your tithes or offerings, um, you can, and you need an envelope, raise your hand. Our ushers have those. Um, if you are giving by the app, you can follow the prompts. Uh, just, just click on the app there. You can also text give to our number there, 970-624-0999. And when you do that, you can follow the prompts and uh, give by text. But however we give, we need to give in faith, right? We always need to give in faith, knowing that God is blessing that seed. And we are thankful for your generosity. Even this morning, we had a report from Mark and Robin Six. Mark was here. And just talking about the great things that are happening in Eastern Europe. And there's a lot going on there. They're doing tent crusades, tent revivals in uh, Hungary. And so how wonderful that God is moving in that way and that he's uh, able to use them. And we have been able to sow into them and their ministry for over 30 years, which is amazing for a church to be connected and to be able to do that. And so uh, we have, and, and that was a blessing. And he said, you know, offerings are great. Uh, but they really rely on people that get continually give. And we as a church have been faithful to do that for all of these years. So we have a hand in what God's doing in the nations because of the missionaries that we support. Sometimes people wonder what all the flags are on the walls. And uh, we tell them those flags represent either missionaries or missions works that were uh, done by this church. We have sown into missionaries or we have done a missions work in every one of those flags. And there's some that aren't up there. So <laughs> uh, 
Uh, God is doing things in the nations because of our giving. And not only in the nations, but right here. He continues right here to minister to uh, wonderful ministries through your giving as well. So we are going to receive this offering. Let's pray over it, and then we'll pass out those buckets that we can sow. Isn't it fun that they're planter buckets and we're sowing our seed into them? <laughs> All right. <laughs> here we go. Let's pray. <laughs> it is fun. It's so fun. <laughs> All right. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to sow. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. And whenever we take you at your word, you will always prove yourself true in our lives. And so, Father, we thank you that we sow this seed in faith and we expect to receive a harvest. We say, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And we don't just sow this seed because of need. We sow this seed, Father, expecting to receive a harvest. And we thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray a blessing on the seed and on the giver tonight. Amen. All right. So go ahead and sow your seed. And as you do that, I'll tell you about something that we have that's brand new. So our creative team took our Ready, Set, Revival logo and made it into a t-shirt. So on the front, it says Ready, Set. And on the back, Revival. <laughs> and it's really fun. Uh, it's in this popular color right now for sweatshirts and t-shirts, which is tan your favorite color, light tan, right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, it is a really fun one. And um, I love this logo. And it has Isaiah 60, one through three on it. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, even thick darkness, the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So uh, it also says this, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? That's the statement of revival. You know, it starts in our hearts. So anyway, these are in the bookstore and uh, you can get yours there. They're really fun. And I love that, that they put that together. So, all right. Well, tonight we are going to continue talking about praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. And it is such a privilege for us as believers. And last week we talked about how we are to be being filled and how we really receive power for our calling. And we're going to continue on that. Um, as we were talking about be being filled, we, let's see, let me get to the right page here. Um, we were talking about Ephesians, how we be being filled with the Spirit. It's a continual flow. It's not something that we do one time. It's something that we continuously do. So when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we receive a prayer language that now we can pray. And it's a one-on-one -on -one communication with our Father. It's spirit to spirit. It's amazing how he is able to pray things through us, things that bypass our head and our knowledge, but really connect with what God wants to do. So last week we were talking about how we pray out mysteries, hidden things, secrets. We pray those things out when we pray in other tongues. And it gives us uh, also a refreshing and a place where we are built up. When we are praying, the Bible tells us that rivers of living water are flowing through us. And it says they continuously flow through us. So the more we pray, the more rivers flow through us. We are opened up to a whole uh, spring of the Lord to bring rivers through us. And not just for us, but through us to others as well. As we get into intercession, in praying in other tongues with intercession, it's amazing and wonderful, and there are so many great testimonies and stories. I can't wait to share those with you. But tonight, we're going to talk about how praying in other tongues gives us power to overcome. 
power to overcome. We edify ourselves when we pray in other tongues. So you could call this message tonight, Power to Overcome, because we are going to focus on that, and we're really going to go through the Word and pull out what praying in the Spirit does for us in giving us power to overcome. And, oh, I didn't bring it up here, but it's over there. Um, Rick Renner, in his book, the, Ho the Dynamic Duo, Holy Spirit and You, the Dynamic Duo, talks a lot about this. So I encourage you, in our bookstore, right on the front, there's a whole bunch of books about the Holy Spirit. There's books uh, from a, a number of different authors, from John Bevere to Rick Renner to um, Kenneth E. Hagen to uh, Stormy O'Martin, uh, all kinds of different books on the Holy Spirit. As we're talking about this, fill yourself up with things that, oh, Smith Wigglesworth, there's one on, on him called the Holy, or by him, uh, called the Holy Spirit. But fill yourself up with this teaching. You will just find that you overflow. You're so full. So praying in other tongues, we talked about last week, is a means of spiritual edification. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians 14, 4. I have been waiting all week to talk about this with you, and I'm excited. <laughs> all right, so 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says this. It says, he who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself but he who prophesies, interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspiration, edifies and improves the church and promotes growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. So he contrasts the two and compares them, and he says there's praying in other tongues for personal prayer life, and there's praying in other tongues or uh, tongues and interpretation for the church. But wherever... Praying in other tongues is happening or, you know, uh, 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 tongues and interpretation or praying in other tongues. There is edification that's happening. Edification. Well, what is that? Edification means to build ourselves up. It's, we are being built up in the spirit. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, being built up. As we are being built up in the spirit, it's a place that we can't uh, put knowledge in. We can't strengthen ourselves, like, you know, weightlifting, but there's something in our spirit. When we pray in other tongues, something in our spirit grows. It grows in the knowledge of God. It grows in faith. We grow. There's something that happens, and the Amplified says here, we grow in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. I love that. We can grow in joy. We can grow in so many different things just by praying in the Spirit. So we're going to talk about how, oh, and I wanted to, I did want to read out of one of my books there. I think it's this one. God's Power for Today. We, uh, it's by Smith Wigglesworth, and we read this last week, but I want to just touch on it again. He was talking about praying in other tongues, and he said this. He said, tongues are for, a pers for personal edification. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I want you to see that he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself or builds himself up. We must be edified before we can edify the church. I cannot estimate what I personally owe to the Holy Spirit's method of spiritual edification. I am here before you as one of the biggest conundrums in the world. There never was a weaker man on the platform. Did I have the capacity to speak? Not at all. I was full of inability. All natural things in my life point exactly to the opposite of my being able to stand on the platform and preach the gospel. The secret is that the Holy Spirit came and brought this wonderful edification of the Spirit. I had been reading the Word continually as well as I could, but the Spirit came and took hold of it, for the Holy Spirit is the breath of it. And He illuminated it to me. He gives me a spiritual language that I cannot speak fast enough. It comes too fast and it is there because God has given it. 
So I love that. He says, I was reading the word. I was reading the word. I was reading it as, um, as much as I could. I was reading the word. But when I started to pray in other tongues, the Holy Spirit took that word and he did something with it. See, we're to be people of the word and of the spirit. The word and the spirit working together continually in our lives. We're going to talk about that a lot tonight. So then he goes on and he says, when the comforter or the helper comes, he will teach you all things. John 14, 26. And he has given me this supernatural means of speaking in an unknown tongue to edify myself so that after being edified, I can edify the church. See, when we pray in other tongues, there's something about it that helps us to grow. And we grow from the inside. We grow up spiritually. And it be, it's beyond our thinking, but we are growing on our most holy faith, Jude says. We're going to look at that. But here's the thing. When we pray in other tongues, we edify ourselves. Edify means to build. We build ourselves. So why are we needing to build ourselves? Well, if you've ever had a time where it's just difficult to sustain your Christian life, to stay in joy, it's difficult to stay uh, in doing the things that we know are good for us, well, we know we need to do those things, but when we pray in other tongues, that strengthens us to continue in our walk and in our life. It strengthens us to overcome temptation. It strengthens us to stay and live in joy. It's part of strengthening ourselves in the Lord. And we need that. We need that. You know, a lot of Christians spend... The, uh, a large majority of their life having some kind of revelation or experience with God, living on that for a little while, and then crashing till they need another revelation or experience from God, and then they live on that for a while, and then they crash. But is that God's intention for us? Absolutely not. He doesn't, I see all the heads going, no, no, it's not, and you're right. <laughs> God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to go from glory to glory, the word says. And how do we do that? Well, part of it is the word, but part of it is with the spirit of God. The word and the spirit working together. So we go from glory to glory as we look in the word as a mirror. We look into that word and that word speaks to us and it tells us who we are. But then the Holy Spirit works with that word and he causes us to grow. He causes us to be more than we are. And as we pray in the spirit, something inside of us begins to expand so we can go from glory to glory, not from glory to the pit to glory to the pit. God doesn't want that for us. But a lot of Christians do that. And they have times where they're with him and they're walking in step and then they, they fall in an area. But do we have to succumb to temptation? Do we have to fall? Well, the truth is, if we are staying in that place of being filled, we don't have to. So go with me over to, let's see, actually, uh, 1 John 1.29. First John, or no, John 1.29. That's where we're going to go. Jesus, we're going to look at him, and we're going to talk about power to overcome. Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, or, or excuse me, when you're uh, born again, you're baptized into the body of Christ, and that's the new birth. And we understand that there are two different experiences. We are born again, but there's a subsequent experience that is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're talking a lot about that. We're spending a lot of time on it. Not only so we can get information ourselves and stay in that place of being in the Spirit, but also so that we can help other people. Because we know a lot of people, even if we're going from glory to glory, we know a lot of people that we could help, right? We could help them to understand that they don't have to crash. So that in addition to the, the being baptized into the body of Christ, we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we've talked a lot about this. What happens? You're immersed into him. You're immersed into him. And so we've said it's like being pickled. It's the, the, the um, cucumber that goes into the boiling water 
and then it comes out and it's changed. It's prepared for something to be pickled. But then it goes into that vinegar solution and now it's all through it. Every part of that cucumber is completely changed. Every part of it. I mean, you cut into a pickle and it doesn't even look like a cucumber anymore. It has a different texture. It has a crispness that's different. It has, it's just a whole different thing. Now it's a condiment. It's not a, a cucumber, a vegetable anymore. It's a condiment. So you can pickle all kinds of things, but when, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're pickled. And I like what Rick Renner says about it. He says it's like being dipped and dyed. When you dye something, you know, have you ever dyed a piece of clothing in that writ dye that you buy from the store and you put it on the stovetop? When you put a white t-shirt in there and you pull it out and it's purple, it's every fiber of it is affected, right? So when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're infused with his power. Every part of us now is different. And why is it different? Well, so that we can live a spirit Filled life, a life of victory. And when Jesus was baptized by John, which is where we're going, uh, he was simultaneously baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we might say, well, I didn't know Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to look at these scriptures and find out that he was. So here in John 1.29, and I'm going to look at the Amplified, not the Amplified Classic, but the Amplified and it says this, it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming up to him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I and has priority over me, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but he came baptizing in water so that he would be publicly revealed to Israel. John gave further evidence testifying officially for the record with validity and relevance saying, I have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descended and remain, this one is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I myself have actually seen that happen, and my testimony is that this is the Son of God. See, John was the one that proclaimed, here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said, here he is, the Son of God. And he said, I can testify, the Lord told me that the one whom the Holy Spirit remains on, he's the one who is the Son of God. Well, to have the Holy Spirit remain on him means that his whole body was immersed and and affected by the Holy Spirit. And I like what another translation, the Amplified Classic, it says this. It says, John gave further evidence saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and it dwelt on him never to depart. Never to depart. See, Jesus, at the same time he was baptized in the Jordan River, he came up out of the Jordan River and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Not that the Holy Spirit was a dove, although sometimes we think, you know, he's a dove. <laughs> it was him. I saw a dove in the yard. It was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he's not a dove, but it shows us how he moved down. In fact, it was much more dramatic than a dove landing on a branch or your shoulder. It wasn't like a zippity-doo-dah moment where <laughs> Mr. Bluebird's on my shoulder. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> it actually was so much, they said the heavens were ripped open and the Holy Spirit came down and they saw the Holy Spirit rest on him. The Holy Spirit engulfed him in that moment and dwelt with him never to depart. I love that. The Message Bible says it this way. It says, John clinched his witness with this. I watched the Spirit like a dove 
fly down out of the sky, making himself at home in him. And isn't that what we read in James? That the Father longs for the Holy Spirit to be welcomed by us, that he would have a home in us, that he would be received by us. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. The Holy Spirit had a home in him, meaning that now he never departed from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Everything he did from this point forward was working and walking with the Holy Spirit. And so from this point forward, Jesus had something. He had an ability. He had a power. He had power to overcome because as we will see, from this point forward, he got led into the wilderness, and Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted in every point, as we are, the Bible says, but right here in the wilderness, he overcame every temptation that is known to humankind, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. In the same place that Adam and Eve fell now Jesus was being tempted with those exact same things. And guess what? He overcomes the temptation. He, as the second Adam, overcomes. But does he do it in himself? No, he does it because the Holy Spirit is in him and with him, in him, upon him. He has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So go with me over to Matthew 3.16. Matthew 3.16. And sometimes we think, well, you know, some of that Holy Spirit stuff freaks me out and I just don't even know the necessity of it. <laughs> well, the necessity of it is we have power to overcome. When Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the very next step was to go into the wilderness, into that place of temptation, and he had power to overcome. So in Matthew 3.16, it says this, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and John saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my son, my beloved, in whom I delight. So, baptized. Jesus was baptized. And it's that same word, baptizo, that we look at. It's the same one. And Rick Renner says this. It means to fully immerse, but he says originally it meant to dip and die. In early usage, described the process of dipping a cloth or a garment into a vat of colored dye, leaving it there long enough for the material to soak up the new color, and then pulling that garment out of the dye, and it was permanently changed in its outward appearance. But it wasn't just its outward appearance. Every fiber of that thread was completely changed, right? And that's what happened with Jesus. And so it says then in Matthew 4, verse 1, Immediately after the Lord spoke over him, this is my beloved son in whom I delight, it says, then Jesus was led, guided by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, the desert, to be tempted, tested, and tried of the devil. Wait a minute, God did that? God led him into the wilderness? Yeah, because he was going to overcome every temptation that would ever come against every one of us. And he was going to show us how to overcome. He was showing us. And it says, And he went without food for 40 days and 40 nights, and later he was hungry. Well, I would think so. I've gone without food for 40 hours, and I've been hungry. <laughs> Not for 40 days. So, you know, when you go without food, you are weak, right? You're weak. Jesus was in a weakened state, but even in that state, he had power to overcome. It says, and the tempter came, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. This is the lust of the flesh, hunger. And he replied, it has been written, man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Notice He's pulling the word that is in him out. 
But who's reminding him of the word? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of the word that's in us. And then he says, and then the devil took him on the holy city and placed him on a turret, a pinnacle, a gable of the temple, sanctuary. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you and they will bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone. So here's another temptation. What is it? The pride of life. Now uh, he's tempted to take his life into his own hands, but he overcomes that temptation. It says, and Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not tempt, test thoroughly, or try exceedingly the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him onto a very high mountain and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and the glory of their splendor, their magnificence, preeminence, and excellence of them. Well, now he's going to tempt him with, I can give you these. It's the lust of the eyes. And it says, and he said to him, these things all taken together, I will give you if you will prostrate yourself before me, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> and do homage and utterly and worship me. And then Jesus said to them, to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil departed from him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now when Jesus heard, uh, okay, so then we'll stop there. So Jesus overcame every temptation, but here's the point that we really want to get to. Jesus was baptized at once when he came up out of the water. It says the heavens were open, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. He was empowered to go into this place of testing. And it says he was led or guided by the Holy Spirit. Now when we look at that word led in the Greek, it's this word anago, and it means this, to lead up or to lead from a lower place to a higher place. So Jesus was not just being geographically led from a lower place to a higher place, down at the river, up into that Judean wilderness. No, he was actually being led from a lower place into a higher place in the spirit. He was doing something, and he was doing it for all of us. He was showing us how we would overcome. Yes, the Holy Spirit led him into that place to be tempted of the devil. And what does it mean to be tempted, tested, and tried, as the Amplified says? Well, it's this Greek word, paradiso, and it means this, to put to the test, to test in order to prove. Now, that's important. You know, if you're baking you have to prove your, your yeast or your bread. You have to see if it's going to rise, if it's going to do what it is supposed to do when that yeast is added. You proof it. So he's being proved, and it goes on to say this in the definition, to test in order to expose the truth about the quality of a substance. It pictures a test designed to expose deficiencies or the trustworthiness of a person or an object. And you know, immediately it takes me to these things that I've seen on television. You know, when you look at something like How It's Made, that show How It's Made, they show you how something is made, but they also show you the test of proving something. So if they're making a car seat, you know, to see if it'll stand up to the wear of everyone's bodies for a number of years. They like have this pounding thing on the seat, you know. <laughs> and you see that happening like on that. And, and then there's other ones too that I have seen. Oh, pillows. You know, I've seen it with pillows where, where they just have this machine that continues to like pound the pillow to see if it's going to withstand the wear. And so this is the Greek word that's used, and this is the picture that we're getting. Is Jesus able to stand the test, the, to expose the truth about the quality of the substance that's in him? Well, what substance is he now baptized in? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And for what? to be proved, to go through temptation with the word and the spirit. But Jesus comes through and he proves that he's got everything he needs, everything he needs to overcome every single temptation by the Holy Spirit. And then it says he was tested and tried of 
the devil. Well, we know who the devil is, but in the definition about the devil, Diablos, this is what it says. It says, a characteristic of the devil is one who repetitiously strikes until successful, penetrating an object in order to ruin it, affect it, or take it captive. And isn't that what he does to every one of us? He strikes and strikes and strikes. Why? Because he wants to bring a temptation that you will eventually succumb to. And when you succumb to the temptation, its intention is to ruin you, to affect you, and to take you captive. And that's what every temptation does. But Jesus overcame through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. So not only there, but Mark 1.7. Let's go over to Mark 1.7. In Mark 1.7. And you know, we're really taking time to go through this very strategically and very purposefully so that we can understand the importance of praying in other tongues, the importance of of leading our friends and our loved ones in this wonderful uh, gift of praying in other tongues. So Mark 1.7, it says this. And he preached saying, after me comes one who is stronger, more powerful, and more valiant than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy or fit to stoop down and unloose. And then skip over to verse 8. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, at once he, John, saw the heavens torn open and the Holy Spirit like a dove coming down to enter him. And there came a voice from out of heaven, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And immediately the Holy Spirit from within drove him out into the wilderness, the desert, and he stayed in the wilderness, the desert, 40 days, being tempted all the while by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him continually. So, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Now, he uses a different word. He drove him into the wilderness. This is what that word means. Uh, and Rick Renner's uh, definition of that word. To drive means to hurl or to throw out. There's a picture that comes to my mind when I say hurl. <laughs> Maybe yours too. <laughs> but uh, it's with force, right? It's with force. And Rick Renner says it this way. He says, this verse can literally be translated, and the Spirit hurled or propelled him into the wilderness immediately without delay. As soon as he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he moved him, he compelled him to go somewhere on purpose. What was the purpose? Well, it was to be tempted, tested, and tried of the enemy. Tempted by Satan, this, this verse says. And that word Satan means this, the devil, we know that. Uh, but it means one who hates, accuses, slanders, conspires against, and is our adversary. Wow. It really shows us how mean and awful the enemy is, but how powerful and wonderful the Holy Spirit is. Because when he led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, tested, and tried, he knew that Jesus would not be overcome. He knew that he was putting him into a place where the enemy Okay. Oh, hey, we're back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> okay. So... He was, uh, uh, let's see, the enemy was putting him into a place where he was testing and proving what was on the inside of Jesus, but what was on the inside was well able 
well able to overcome the enemy, the adversary of our souls, was well able to overcome. You know, there was a confidence that came upon Jesus when he realized that. There was an authority that came upon Jesus when he realized that. And that's one of the things that we know in what was said about Jesus is that he operated with authority. How did he know his authority? Well, when the Holy Spirit came upon him and the devil gave all of his best tries, Jesus overcame in the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew from that time forward, everywhere he went, he had authority over the enemy. Oh, man. There's something about praying in the Spirit that'll do that for us. It'll build our confidence in God. It'll build our confidence in who we are. It will build us on the inside. So he was tempted, and he was even weak uh, physically. But in spite of his physical condition, he did not succumb to temptation. I love that. He remained faithful to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. So now, oh, and it says this, the wild beasts. The wild beasts were there too. And I thought, this is awesome because the wild beasts, you know, now I'm almost scared to go camping because there's bears. First of all, they've always been there, but now there's wolves. And so (laughs) I'm totally telling Mark, like, I don't know if we should go camping. We need to watch the Wolf Tracker app and find out where they are. (laughs) But now I found out that Jesus was taken care of even out there with the wild beasts. Even out there with the wild beasts. So it says, he was with the wild beasts and angels ministered to him continuously. So now I know what to do. I'm just going to be trusting the Holy Spirit and calling upon angels continuously. We can still go camping. All right. (laughs) Physically, mentally, emotionally. See, that's the point. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Jesus was well taken care of when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had power to overcome. And then the last one is Luke. Luke 3.21. Luke 3.21 Once more, we see Jesus went into the wilderness in 321 and 22. Now, when the people were baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized, and while he was still praying, the visible heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven saying, You are my son, my beloved. In you I am well pleased and find delight. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you soak up his power. But not just his power, you soak up his personality too. It's that word baptizo. It's dipped and died. The experience permanently changes us. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. Every time we pray in the Spirit, we are renewed in that place of being strengthened and equipped and edified and built. So what Satan did to try and draw Jesus away was completely powerless. And in Luke 4, 1 and 2, it says this, Then Jesus, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit. For during 40 days in the wilderness, desert, where he was tempted, tried, and tested exceedingly by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. When they were completed, he was hungry. So Jesus was hungry, but he overcame. And it says this, this word full is a Greek word, pluris, and it means this, to be full and complete, lacking nothing. Jesus was full, and I love how the Amplified says this, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Full of and controlled by. Not that the Holy Spirit took control of him, but he gave himself in such a partnership and union with the Holy Spirit that everything he did was by the Spirit. He was controlled because he put himself under the control of the Holy Spirit. I love that. It's living life by the Spirit. 
And it says, then he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, but he was full of power. In Luke 4.14, we read this. Then Jesus went back. So he went into the wilderness, and now he went back full of and under the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee, and the fame of him spread throughout the whole region round about. So how wonderful is that? He went into the place where Adam and Eve fell and we got into all this trouble and they were tempted and succumbed to that temptation and Jesus, because he was full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, went into that place with the same temptation and came out even being physically uh, you know, weaker because he hadn't eaten spiritually stronger and overcoming in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power means this, dunamis power, explosive, superhuman power that comes with enormous energy and produces phenomenal, extraordinary, and unparalleled results. It depicts mighty deeds that are impressive, incomparable, and beyond human ability to perform miraculous power or miraculous manifestations. Wow. (laughs) When Jesus went in, he went in with power. When he came out, he came out with power. Under every assault of the enemy, Jesus was full and complete, lacking nothing. And do you know that he did that as an example to us? that when we are full of the Holy Spirit and we be being filled, as Ephesians tells us, by praying in the Spirit, and when we're full and we stay full, there is nothing that the enemy can really do to get us off track or to derail us or to ruin us because we are filled with the Spirit. Oh, man, that is so powerful. He had a knowing of who he was and an authority that he walked in from that point forward. And it says in Luke 4.15, and he himself conducted a course of teaching in their synagogue, being recognized and honored and praised by all. So he came to Nazareth, that Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he entered the synagogue as was his custom on the Sabbath day, and he stood to read. And there was handed him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened, unrolled the book, and found in the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed and who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. See, he knew who he was. He knew who he was. One commentary says this, he was full. Jesus lived in the sphere of the Spirit being dominated by the Spirit. Wow. All the accounts say that for 40 days he was tempted of the devil. And what was the devil's intention? He is one who repetitiously strikes until successful, penetrating an object in order to ruin or affect it or take it captive. You know, the goal of every temptation, every temptation, it doesn't matter what it is, is to ruin you and take you captive. It doesn't matter if it's alcohol, if it's pornography, if it's gossip, or if it's unforgiveness. It doesn't matter what it is. The goal of every temptation is to ruin you and take you captive, but you have power to overcome by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what the temptation is or how dark it feels. If we will yield to the Holy Spirit just as Jesus did, we have power to overcome. It's amazing. And this scripture that Jesus stood up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do all of these things. Guess what? The spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to preach the gospel, to set the captives free, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, spiritually and naturally. 
He has anointed you to deliver those who are oppressed and downtrodden, bruised and crushed and broken down by calamity by ministering the gospel to them and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. There is so much that we don't get about praying in the Spirit. We think, oh, that Holy Spirit stuff is just kind of weird, and I don't know if I really need that. But the truth is, we need it. We need that power to overcome. We need it every day of our life to stay from going to glory to glory. We need the power of the Spirit. So this means when Jesus returns to Galilee, God's power as Rick Renner says, was marching forward through him with the strength of a mighty army. I love that. We need to know that every day, that, that we can be empowered by the Spirit in the same way that he was. So I want to read to you uh, out of this little book. It's John Osteen, Rivers of Living Water, and it's out of print, but <laughs> this is what it says. It, he's talking about his own experience. And when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he got like five words, and he was so faithful with those five words. And so when he was faithful with those, um, God began to do so much in him. And he wrote this book, Rivers of Living Water, about how he ministered from that place of being full in the Spirit. But I love his testimony in this part. And then we're going to stand up, and we're going to pray for two minutes and then we're going to go. <laughs> okay, so here, here uh, it is his experience. He says, my experience was like that of a little bird. This little bird was hatched in a cage. All of its life it lived in that cage. As time went on, he noticed two things on the sides of his body called wings. He tried them out, and they worked. Something within him said, you are made for more than just living in a cage. Deep from within, he felt that he was created to have liberty. He decided to follow that deep feeling and reach out for more freedom. He flew against the cage wires again and again, only to stay trapped in that cage. And he finally gave up, but he never lost that feeling deep within him, that he was made to live for something more than a cage. One day, someone came by and opened this cage, and he flew out into the open skies. It seemed you could almost hear him sing with joy, this is it, this is it. I knew I was made for something more than a cage. See, he was born again. He was a minister of the gospel, and yet he felt this way. He felt like there's more, there's more, there's more. And then he said this, I too was in my religious denominational cage doing the best I could, considering the limited space for this activity. Even though I was really saved, I felt through the years that I was made for so much more than staying in the confines of this denominational structure and not enjoying the things that other believers had in the Bible days and deep within me, I felt there was more. Well, there is more. I found it. Praise the name of the Lord. One day, with God's help and with the prayers of others, my cage door was opened as I entered the life of a liberty and joy that I had never known. Free, free, free. I was free to act like Peter, Paul, and John and all the other disciples. It all came when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had a well on the inside of me, but I needed rivers. I love that. There's more to this testimony, and I'll probably read it next week. But he said, I had a well, but I needed rivers. I needed rivers to flow through me. I needed a continual outpouring of the Spirit. When we are filling ourselves by praying in other tongues, we have a continual flow of the Spirit. All right, stand up with me. So I want to tell you something. I've been praying about this a lot. And um, as I was praying in my bathroom, getting ready for this uh, message tonight about overcoming, power to overcome, and praying in the Spirit, and how they come together, the Lord told me this, and, he, and it's a word for us tonight. It's a word. I could have delivered it like, thus saith the Lord. I could have prayed in other tongues and then delivered it. But it's just as much a word as that would have been. I was in my bathroom, and this is what the Lord said. He said to me, tell them anybody 
who continually struggles with temptation, addiction, feeling like they're in a conflict or a battle with the enemy, they need to be praying in the Spirit daily. It will give you strength on the inside and power to overcome. Do you want to break free of the cycle of addiction? Do you want to break free from the cycle of depression? Do you want to break free from the cycle of insecurity? Don't look for something out there. Look in here. I want to tell you by the Spirit of God tonight that if you will begin to pray in the Spirit on a daily basis, the anointing within you will cause you to grow past that place of struggle. That was a word from the Lord that he gave me, and it's the anointing breaking the yoke. The picture of the anointing breaking the yoke is a picture of an oxen with a yoke on them, and they start to grow too fat for that. It's like that bird in a cage. He said there was more. There's a yoke that the enemy has put on us, and that yoke is to keep you down. It's to ruin you. But when you pray in the Spirit, something on the inside gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you start to grow with the fatness of the anointing, and you will break free of that yoke. When you break free of that yoke, get ready because you're going out. You're going you're gonna to be strong in everything that he has called you to do. You will have a confidence that you never had before. You will have authority that you never had before. Grief can be a yoke. Insecurity can be a yoke. Depression can be a yoke. Addiction can be a yoke. But I'm telling you, if you pray in the Spirit on a daily basis, you will have power to overcome whatever it is. And you don't need to go somewhere else. You need to get alone with Him, and you need to pray. You need to let that anointing within you increase and break that yoke of bondage. Okay, so let's just spend a couple minutes here praying in the Spirit. Let's practice it. Let's practice it. But you know what? From here, go out and do it. Do it every day. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this word. We thank you that it's power for us tonight. Oh, Father, we thank you that your word is true and your spirit is in us. And we pray by the Spirit. Oh, yeah, it's just that easy. It's just that easy. And you know what? If we haven't done it in a long time, then we just need to renew and refresh and be being filled daily. I guarantee you, you're going to notice such a difference in your life. 
You're going to notice such a difference in your attitude, in, in your personality even changing. There's a lot of us that could really use that, our personality being affected by the Holy Spirit, and He wants to do it. <laughs> but there is so much to praying in the Spirit. Oh, it's amazing. It's such a wonderful gift He has given us to instantly rise to his level. When Jesus went into that place, he went to a higher place, a higher place. He accessed something of the spirit that caused him to overcome. Oh, man. Well, I hope that this message blessed you tonight. We are going to continue for uh, a few more weeks anyway on uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing what God can do. So praise God. Go out this week and pray. (laughs) All right. Now, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to, even tonight you're inspired. You're like, I need that. I need power to overcome. Well, then tonight's your night. Come on up here. Our altar care team is here. They're ready to pray with you. They are excited to pray with you and to really cause that breakthrough to happen in your life. So come on up tonight. If you want to receive salvation, same thing, come up tonight. Our altar care team is here. If you have a prayer need or a request, come on up. They'll pray with you about that. They are amazing. They're awesome. They want to see you have your breakthrough. All right, let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus Jesus far exceeds exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. fall. Amen.